Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into the philosophies behind modern-day politics? Then don't miss the newest episode of Meet the Experts, where I talk with the creators of the Giants of Political Thought audio series. Available now wherever you get your Howie Car Show podcasts. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Grace Curley Show. It is a beautiful Tuesday today. We've got so much to discuss. We have a really wonderful jam-packed show planned for you. I'm going to give you a couple teases right here. Toby Leary, of course, joins us, as he's so kind to do, every Tuesday. He'll be joining us in the 2 o'clock hour. We have plenty to talk about on the Second Amendment front. And also very exciting news, National Press Secretary... To Donald J. Trump, Caroline Levitt is taking time out of her incredibly busy schedule to stop by. She won't be here in person, but I like to say that it sounds more official. She'll be calling into the Grace Curley show in the one o'clock hour, and we're going to ask her about everything from Nikki Haley staying in the race to Trump's upcoming border trip, which is Thursday. Uh, the Michigan primary today, Jack Smith's latest announcement about the documents, uh, the Fannie Willis case, which, by the way, the misconduct hearing resumes today. So you name it, we're going to cover it with Caroline Levitt in the one o'clock. But boy, do we have a lot of ground to cover. And actually, I, I want to start just quickly here with the fabulous Fannie Willis Fulton County case, because it picks back up today, as I mentioned. Very excited about this. I hope you have your TiVo set. Hope you have your DVRs at the ready because this is going to be really something to see. And today it's Terrence Bradley. Now, if that name sounds familiar, he's Wade's former law partner and divorce lawyer. He's taking the stand again. You might be thinking to yourself, didn't we hear from him already? Remember this Bradley fella? We did. You would be correct. This is his second time on the stand. Last time, in fact... Bradley, who's been billed as like the star witness. I just started seeing that today. I was reading all these headlines and I was like, that guy was, I mean, no offense to Bradley, but I think the star witness was Fanny herself. I don't think you can upstage Fanny Willis. I would say who's ever talking about Grey Goose and Caviar, good chance that person's going to get the title of star for the day. But they're billing him as like the key witness, the star witness. And last time he was being questioned by Anna Cross, so that's the state's attorney in this case, it was revealed that he had left his old law firm with Wade because of sexual assault allegations. Now, the reason I bring that up is because his problems, his reputation, his, his past has now been aired out because of this circus. So it's just something to keep in mind when we're watching Terrence Bradley on the stand. This is a guy who has now had to pay a price for being involved with America's sweethearts. Now, 10 days ago, he was hoping, Bradley was hoping, that he could avoid testifying about the timeline of the lovebirds 
beautiful relationship because he was Wade's lawyer, his divorce attorney. It's, you know, attorney-client privilege, that whole thing. And typically that would work. But the problem is, so McAfee comes out today, Judge McAfee, and he throws cold water on that excuse from Bradley and says, that's not going to stand up. And I actually have the, the quote here from McAfee. He said, Mr. Bradley previously testified that the reason he left the firm was totally and completely covered by privilege. When asked by the state, he went into a factual scenario that, to my mind, I don't see how it relates to privilege at all. And so now I'm left wondering if Mr. Bradley has been proper, properly interpreting privilege this entire time. That's an important question to wonder. And I also think that the timing of Bradley's communications with Wade versus when he became his divorce lawyer might be part of this. Because you can't just say, and, and I'm not saying this is the situation, but I'm just, you know, in case. This is a hypothetical. But if, Jared, if you were my divorce lawyer, if I was getting divorced, <laughs> number one, and you were my lawyer, and you said, well, I can't testify to this and that and this and that because I'm Grace's lawyer. But then we had communications prior to you becoming my lawyer where you were just my coworker. Then all of a sudden, I think that privilege is called into question. A lot of this has to do with timing. And it's unfortunate for these people involved, i.e. Fanny, Nathan Wade, Terrence Bradley, because when a case is hinging so much on timing... It's really hard to lie about it nowadays. Maybe 20 years ago, but now with phones, with text messages, like text messages are constant timestamps. You are constantly letting people know, this is where I am, this is where I'm thinking, this is the time I thought it, and this is the time I sent it. And it doesn't matter how much you delete things, it doesn't matter. It lives forever. If you've put it on your phone, even if you brought your phone somewhere and it's been charged up and ready to go, you're going to have a hard time convincing a judge that you're squeaky clean. And so this is what this is really coming down to. So we will watch it all unfold shortly. Get your popcorn ready because it's going to be good. Now, the other huge story of the day, we, we mentioned this yesterday. We focused a lot on this yesterday. We actually had a, a great guest, Bob Price from Breitbart who was our first time having Bob on, and I, I sent him a message. I said, we're definitely going to be hitting you up again because I loved his delivery. He was very knowledgeable, and he's from Texas, so he was giving us a breakdown of what's going on at the border in Texas, and he was on the show yesterday. If you missed it, you can check out the podcast to talk about Lake and Riley, which is this young nursing student. This is a horrible, horrible story, and I do want to start with an update, a very gruesome update about Lake and Riley, the 22-year-old Augusta University College of Nursing student who was murdered while on a run on the University of Georgia campus on Thursday. Now, more has come out about the way, the sick, twisted way this young woman was murdered. And I'm going to read this now from the New York Post. It says the Venezuelan migrant charged with murdering Lake and Riley allegedly beat her so brutally with an unidentified object that he disfigured her skull, according to new affidavits. Jose Antonio Ibarra, 26, who faces multiple murder and assault charges, 
is not thought to have known the 22-year-old nursing student when he allegedly kidnapped and killed her as she went for a run on the University of Georgia campus Thursday. So in cold blood, essentially. If, if he doesn't know who she is, he just decided that this young nursing student, that it was going to be her day to die. I mean, how sick is this person? Her cause of death had only been given as blunt force trauma, with new charging documents accusing Ibarra of causing great bodily harm with an object without specifically specifying exactly what it was. But the suspect was also charged with aggravated battery for seriously disfiguring her body by disfiguring her skull, according to reports shared with Fox News. Ibarra is also charged with preventing Riley from making or completing a 911 call with intent to harm when he allegedly snatched her during the run. He then dragged Riley's body to a secluded area, the affidavit said, in support of a charge for concealing the student's death. So yesterday, so so that's the report, that's the that's the latest update. And trust me, if I if I didn't think it was so important that this story was so important and that Lake and Riley deserves to have coverage of this and she should not die in vain then I would avoid reading this because it's horrible and it's so gruesome. And I know that everyone typically tunes into this show for for fun, for entertainment. But it's, it's, it's so insane to me how callous this is being handled by Democrats. Like the same people who always turn around and say, I'm heartless or you're heartless or Republicans are fear-mongering or, you know, oh, they don't care about the children. They don't care about people. You know, oh, hate has no home here, but the Republicans are so mean. The way they are handling this, it makes me sick to my stomach. I can't imagine how the family of Lake and Riley feels. For people to be able to go out so quickly after something so life-shatteringly awful happens to this family and basically dismiss it as, oh, well, you know, these things happen or, you know, like, let's not let this shape our policy. It's repugnant. So I wanted to say that yesterday we played a sound cut of Congresswoman AOC and she's droning on and on on MSNBC about Republicans who want to seal, what was it, hermetically seal the border and are conspiring to put children in factories and are fear-mongering about illegal immigration. So as she's telling us, like, Republicans want to put children in factories, she's also saying, and they're fear-mongering. Oh, okay, so we're the ones fear-mongering, says the woman convincing everyone that we're going to start throwing kids in factories. But there was really, as far as I could tell, Jared, no mention of this young nursing student from AOC. It didn't fit the narrative. Well, today we have Congresswoman Katie Porter. And she's a wannabe senator. She's the one who's going up against Schiff and Barbara Lee. And Steve Garvey. I should throw Garvey in there, too. It's a bit of a long shot, but we'll give him a plug on the Grace Curley show. Uh, So she's running for this Senate seat. She's awful, by the way. And I don't say, Jared, would you agree that I, I, I don't throw that around no, you, you do not. I do. You do not. I, I don't throw it around because there are a lot of Democrats who I find annoying, like Dan Goldman or um, Nancy Pelosi. But then there are people who have a history of being bad people. And Katie Porter is one of those. Like she has. Um, and I can I can give you specifics. There was a whole story about how she treated a veteran on her staff for breaking her covid rules. 
these awful text messages. Her ex-husband claimed that she dumped a pot of scalding hot mashed potatoes on his head. Those are just a couple that come to mind. But she's got like an Amy Klobuchar problem. She's a bad boss, seems like a bad person. So just keep that in mind. She goes on TV and she's asked about the murder of Lake and Riley. And can we play this, Jared? And then we'll go to break and then we'll take people's calls on it. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Okay, so one instance, one murder in this case shouldn't shape policy. Now that runs contrary to Everything Democrats have told us, no matter what issue you're talking about, gun violence, COVID, that is totally the opposite of what we've been being fed for the last few decades. So we're going to talk about this and this hypocrisy. Jared, I know you've got a lot to say about it. You came in my desk. You came in my office this morning and you were you were ticked off about this cut and you made a lot of good points. Coming in hot, I believe is the term. Yes, you were coming in hot, but for good reason, because this is an outrageous thing to say. Suddenly now we're not going to let we're not going to let an incident a murder shape policy. Now is not the time to get political, according to Katie Porter. We'll talk about it when we come back. 844-500-4242. Boy, do we have a lot to get to today. I cannot wait to talk to all of you. Get on the lines now. This is The Grace Curley Show. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curley. This is The Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to The Grace Curley Show. All right, so let's do the poll question here. And then we'll get back to this Katie Porter cut that is all over the Internet today. She's telling the host at uh, CNN that one incident shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Now, this is a huge changeup for Democrats. That doesn't typically apply to one incident if it involves the Second Amendment, one incident if it involves COVID. In that case, what's the expression we always hear, Jared? If it saves just one life. Right. Don't see your family for five years. Shut down the world. But in this case... Let kids be abused. In this case, even though none of these crimes that are occurring, none of these murders that are occurring, have to happen. Because the people are here illegally. So you could prevent them from just enforcing the law. In that case, we shouldn't get over our skis. We shouldn't get too crazy about it. You know what I mean? Let's all take a deep breath here. Let's all calm down. We'll play that cut for you again, and we'll take your calls on it. It's 844-500-4242. But first, today's poll question is brought to you by J.J. Manning Auctioneers. Whether residential, commercial, or land, J.J. Manning can get your property sold now. To learn more, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com. With over 16,000 sales and satisfied clients, you can be the next one. Jared, what's the poll question, and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com, is what's a bigger liability for Joe Biden, his handling of the border or his age slash capabilities? 
So there's a lot of focus right now, and it's sudden focus. And and whenever the media takes note of something that a Democrat's doing, it's not because they actually care. It's because it's politically strategic or convenient for them to do so. So now you're seeing stories about, oh, Democrats worry that he has a cheat sheet. The donors are concerned that he's stumbling and mumbling around. And I saw that uh, one of the Obama bros, what's his, uh, John Favreau, he was the speechwriter for Obama. He went on the Obama bro podcast pod save America and talked about how Biden looks frail and his mumbling and his age is a real issue. And I just don't think that his age is as much of an issue. And yeah, it's concerning, but I've been concerned about it since 2019. I don't think his age is nearly as much of a problem for the Biden White House as this border. I think this is the reason he's going tomorrow, or I'm sorry, on Thursday. I think this is the reason why he's suddenly mulling over executive action. Because the truth is, Jared, you can be as old as can be, and if he was polling well, they wouldn't give two bleeps. They would still be going out, and some of them are, like Seth Meyers on his show. They're still going out and pretending, look at him with his aviators. We went for a trip to the ice cream shop. He's the coolest. And so if it was still working, if people were still dumb enough to buy this, then they wouldn't be acknowledging any of his mumbles and fumbles and gaffes. It's only because the polling on the border is so abysmal and dreadful for him that they have to pretend that the actual reason is not his policies. It's not what he's done to this country. It's the fact that he's a little bit old. So I'm going to say a bigger issue for Biden that you're not going to hear about from the media. They're not going to pretend this is his number one issue. It's the border. It trumps his old age. 62% of the audience agrees with you. Handling of the border is a bigger liability for Joe Biden. 38 say his age slash capabilities. So Jose Antonio Ibarra now faces multiple murder and assault charges. This is from the New York Post for allegedly murdering Lake and Riley. Her cause of death had only been given as blunt force trauma with new charging documents accusing Ibarra of causing great bodily harm with an object without specifying exactly what it was. The suspect was also charged with aggravated battery for seriously disfiguring her body by disfiguring her skull, according to the affidavit shared by Fox News. So we are going to keep talking about this when we come back because I want to play the cut from Katie Porter and I want to discuss with the callers how rare this is to hear from a Democrat that we shouldn't take an incident and let it shape our policy. Because typically, Jared, I'm hearing the exact opposite. I'm hearing, look at this incident, and we should completely change everything. We should change the Constitution for this incident. But not in this case. We'll talk why when we come back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. So the Michigan primary is today. I think it's going to be very, very noteworthy how Joe Biden fares in this. Michigan has a lot of Muslim Americans, uh, specifically Dearborn. I think it has the most, uh, the, the highest Muslim population in the U.S. per capita. And 
So Biden, because of that and because of some other things, he's been trying to tiptoe around this Israel-Hamas conflict and try to not tick off certain voters. And it hasn't been working. Tiptoeing is not his forte, if you haven't noticed. And in fact, Representative Rashida Tayyib, which we talked about, Jared, a couple weeks ago, she was urging voters in Michigan to vote uncommitted. Now, we've I think that where was the, the first there was a primary where people were writing in. It was New Hampshire. People were writing in peace or ceasefire in Gaza. But in Michigan, it's uncommitted. That's that's the way they're going to send the message to Biden, that they're not happy about the way he's been handling Bibi Netanyahu and Israel. Um, and Biden was on with Seth Meyers. He was trying to explain in his typical eloquent fashion how things are moving closer to a ceasefire. Now, meanwhile, as all that's going on, there was a story yesterday that there was a vigil that was held near the Israel embassy in D.C. And this USAF airman, Aaron Bushnell, set himself on fire and died. Now, he's being, this is the headline from the Daily Mail. It says, protesters burn Israel flags outside D.C. embassy where USAF engineer 25 set himself on fire and died after leftists praised him for martyring himself. So he was carrying posters that said, or, or, you know, other people there were carrying posters that said Free Palestine. It's crazy because this is obviously a person who is dealing with a mental health issue. And you would never know that from the response that this man setting himself on fire got on Twitter. It, it was he was celebrated like this was a great thing. Good for him. He did a great job. A man sets himself on fire for something that's happening in the Middle East. And a lot of liberal Democrats think it's a wonderful thing. I don't think sane Democrats think it's a wonderful thing. But their responses were frightening. And there was also this weird, weird tweet that I'll get to, you know what, I'll get to that a little bit later because I don't want to spend the whole time on this and I'll, I'll end up getting derailed here. But let's go back here to the issue. So Joe Biden's worried about how he's going to do in Michigan. He should be. He goes to an ice cream shop with Seth Meyers and he's talking about Israel and Gaza. And I read a sentence today, Jared, and it was from Politico. And I thought, this is, this is what we're, we're told is normalcy. It was something like Joe Biden goes to an ice cream shop with Seth Meyers to talk about Israel and Gaza. I'm like, what is happening? Why is the president of the United States sticking his face in a giant scoop of ice cream while talking about an ongoing war with a comedian from a lowly rated show on NBC? Like, what is this? Why are we getting our information this way? And it's such a little bit of information. It's not anything we can actually use. But why is this the only way it's available to us? Why is the only access we have to President Joe Biden, either Drew Barrymore, Seth Meyers, or like a TikTok of him talking about Travis Kelsey's mom's chocolate chip cookies? Is there no in between here? Is there no one that they can trust in the media? To give him a softball interview, they have to go to Seth Meyers. So while all this is going on, this story about Lake and Riley has taken over 
um, social media, people are outraged. I know in my own personal life, a lot of people have called me up about this just because it's it's a sad, sad story. And it was so preventable. It was so avoidable. And that's the part of it that really, really just is gut-wrenching for people. And this was Katie Porter's response. I do want to go back to this, and I do want to talk about the hypocrisy, uh, hypocrisy, especially when you line it up with how Democrats typically respond to any incident that fits their narrative. So this is cut 10. This is Representative Katie Porter. Keep in mind, she's running for senator. She wants to uh, take DiFi's old seat. She's running against Adam Schiff, Barbara Lee, and a Republican who probably doesn't have a shot, but... This is Katie Porter. This is Cut 10. Well, I think when a horrible tragedy like like this happens, I think whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. Now, let's break down everything that's wrong with this statement. And first, I'm going to reference Riley Gaines. And she wrote something that I think summed this up perfectly. First of all, she said Katie Porter is literally insufferable. Fact check, true. No lies were detected in that first sentence. She also wrote, How ill-informed and shameless must you be to act like the death of an innocent American citizen at the hands of an illegal alien is a one-off? Evil people. That was Riley Gaines. And, of course, it's if you listen to this show, if you've even been tuning in at all to the news over the last couple of years, you know this isn't a one-off. Molly Tibbetts, Kate Steinle, there's so many examples that are so close to this one that it's frightening. And that's just a handful. I mean, every single day. We have several examples of that here in Massachusetts. People being run over by illegal aliens and killed. And then dragged as, you know, they tried to get up. They probably would have been okay. And then they're run back over to finally kill them. It's horrible. And it's not a one-off incident. And for Katie Porter to insinuate that or to even say that is ridiculous. Now we have today Venezuelan migrant illegally in U.S. charged for sexual assault against minor in Virginia. This is a 32-year-old Venezuelan migrant in connection with the sexual assault on a minor Renzo Mendoza Montes. He's a Venezuelan citizen who is in the country illegally after being detained and released by U.S. Customs and Border Patrol in El Paso, Texas, on September 2nd, 2023. So that's the first part of this that I want to break down, is that it's not one instance. If only it were one instance. I, I wish it never, there was no instances, but if there were one instance, we're talking about thousands of instances, thousands of American citizens who have had to deal with this, and then their families who have had to deal with it. So that's number one, where Katie Porter sounds like a moron. And, you know, there's good reason for her to sound like a moron. She is one. And number two, Jared, and this is the point that you brought up to me earlier today, which has really stuck with me, is that what happened to that conversation that was such a huge part of the Democrat playbook, which was, if it even if it only saves one life, like they're willing when it comes to gun control, for example, Democrats are willing to put as many laws on the books. It doesn't matter if it's going to be effective. It doesn't matter if it's going to do anything. It doesn't matter if the only thing those laws are going to do are going to prevent law abiding gun owners are going to make their lives more difficult. That doesn't matter because if there's even a tiny, tiny chance it saves one life, they say, well, Law-abiding gun owners, be damned. You'll have to jump through more hoops. This has the potential to save one life. 
And we should reshape, forget reshaping policy, Jared. We should create all new policies. Out with the old, in with the new. Who cares about the Constitution? You don't know what the Founding Fathers meant. That's something we always hear from the left. If it just saves one life. What about COVID? There were very, very few, I'm going to say if any, instances where a child was dying of COVID who didn't have other conditions. But that didn't stop Democrats from wanting to shape an entire policy around this very rare scenario. They shut down the schools. They shut down the soccer fields. They shut down travel. They had all these kids go home. And you know what it's a really good segue for? Is this cut from Dr. Phil? Because he was talking about this on The View. Not a very warm audience, obviously. The women there were not thrilled that Dr. Phil showed up to actually speak his truth. Uh, But take a listen to what I want to go to cut six, please. So, there was also a yeah. pandemic yeah, going was, on. They were trying to save they kids' They were trying to save kids' well. lives. Remember, we know a lot of folks who died during this. So it wasn't people weren't laying Not around eating bond. But well, you know what? We're lucky. Maybe we're lucky they didn't because we kept them out of the 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 places that they could be sick because no one wanted to believe we had an issue. Are you saying no school children died of COVID? I'm saying it was the safest group. They were the less vulnerable group. And they suffered and will suffer more from the mismanagement of COVID than they will from the exposure to COVID. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Well, Phil, we don't even have time to talk it out now, man. But thanks for coming. Isn't that convenient for you, Whoopi? I'm sure you really wanted to delve into that. But he gets a, a round of applause from the audience at The View. That's how desperate people are for, for common sense. Is that even though he had the audacity to disagree with brilliant minds like Anna Navarro and Whoopi Goldberg, he still was appreciated by that audience. And I, I, I would just I would pose this as a question and say, in the case of COVID, would Katie Porter have suggested that one instance shouldn't shape the overall COVID policy? I doubt it. Would she tell us that one instance shouldn't shape gun control policy? I doubt it. Of course not. Because in those cases, those instances fit her narrative. In this case, just enforcing the law, you wouldn't even have to. Here's here's the other part of it, too. Oftentimes when we talk about gun control, people call up and they'll say, I remember this woman called up and she said, well, you know, she she offered up some idea. And I said, "Okay, do you think that's going to fix it, though? Like, do you think that that's going to get everybody who has, what do they call them, a ghost gun or an illegal gun? Are they going to bring it in? And she said, no, no, of course not. And I said, okay, so then what are we doing? Like, if you don't think it's actually going to work, then why do it? But in that case, we're talking about new legislation. And you can argue about whether or not it will work. Like, this this new law that we're pushing is going to fix all the problems. That's what they always tell us. If we just pass this one law about guns, it will fix it. And trust me, I would love to have no more shootings. I would love to have peace on earth. And if I thought one magical law would change it, I'd be all for it. But no one can actually come up with the argument as to why that would work. Now, in this case, I'm not talking about new laws. I'm not talking about coming up with some magical unicorn pill that's going to fix everything. I'm talking about enforcing the laws on the books. 
I'm talking about when someone commits, when someone, first of all, enters the country illegally and then proceeds to commit crime after crime after crime, that maybe we drum up a little bit of common sense here and deport that person. I don't think that that is anything out of this world. I don't think that that's me being like, oh, she's such an optimist. Oh, you know, she's so unrealistic. That seems pretty basic. And that's where Katie Porter draws the line. That's where these Democrats go, well, now you just sound crazy. We shouldn't let this shape. We, we shouldn't let this shape our whole policy. Why not? Why? Our whole policy should be preventing Americans from dying. And if you have the tool to do that, which is not letting people cross into this country illegally, or at the very least, deporting them once they commit crimes and they're already here illegally, then why wouldn't you do it? Like Riley Gaines said, just evil, evil people. 844-500-4242. When we come back, I might play more of the uh, Dr. Phil Cuts. And we also have a, a crazy scenario happened with Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears. She misgendered a senator, um, Danica Rome. She misgendered her. She called her sir. And this transgender senator, some people say stormed off. I watched the video. She walked out. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say, yeah, she stormed off. And I I have something weird that I want to bring up. I'm going to bring up an incident that occurred last week on Jeopardy that I think is relevant in this case. So stay tuned for that. Do you know, Jared, I watch Jeopardy every night? I was aware of that. And I never get better at it. I'm so bad. <laughs> but you know what I love? I love the beginning when they when they show you all the categories and you're so full of hope. You're like, maybe this is the day where I'm going to get a lot of these right. It never is. But it's the possibility that I look forward to. I'm going to tell you an incident that occurred last week on Jeopardy. Didn't get a lot of press coverage, but I think it's important in this case with Winsome Sears. So we will come right back to this. There's so much to get to. Plus, Don Lemon. Don't know if people heard about this. Very good day to be Don Lemon. A very good payday for the former CNN host. Stay tuned to hear more about that. Now, the Omaha Steak semi-annual sale is here. Get 50% off site-wide and save on mouth-watering favorites today. Let's talk favorites, Jared. My favorites, obviously the steak. I know your favorites are the hot dogs, but I also love the burgers. And with this semi-annual sale, if you go to omahasteaks.com slash grace, you're also going to get eight free Omaha Steak burgers. So this, for me, is kind of the ideal situation. You're saving 50% off on select packages, which is an unbelievable savings. And you're getting the eight free burgers. That's That, to me, is the dream. But you have other favorites that you love. Yeah, well, you're getting eight free burgers, so that leaves you open to try other things, which is the best part about this. Because normally, you know, people already at the 50% off sale start stocking up for summer when you're going to be grilling out. Get the hamburgers, get the hot dogs, but also get the chicken. The chicken from Omaha Steaks is out of this world. I've said this, and I stand by this. You really didn't know, if you were eating supermarket chicken, you did not know what chicken was supposed to taste like until you've had Omaha Steaks chicken. The same thing goes for the pork. It is unbelievable. You will notice the difference, and you won't be able to go back. And that's a good thing. You get, But they also have salmon. They have desserts. They have sides. Get a whole bunch of stuff. Try every different thing you can think of because you're getting it for 50% off. That's the time to do it. You're absolutely right. Now's the time to try everything from their tender, juicy butcher's cup filet mignons to their mouth-watering pure ground burgers. You should try all the comfort classics and maybe something new. Go to omahasteaks.com slash grace. That's omahasteaks.com slash grace. Here's a sentence from Politico today. 
During a visit with Myers to an ice cream shop near the studio, Biden told reporters he hoped a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas could be in place by the end of the weekend. What is it about this specific scenario that doesn't make me confident that he knows anything about Israel and Hamas or a ceasefire or the timeline of said ceasefire during a visit with Myers to an ice cream shop near the studio? Oh, boy. We'll talk more about this. And I have sound cuts of Joe Biden reacting to the fact that he's having a dueling Biden, uh, a dueling border visit with President Trump on Thursday. We'll talk about this. Don't go anywhere. It's The Grace Curley Show. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Jared, based off the conversation we just had off the air, do I have enough time to explain the Jeopardy, Winsome Sears, misgendering, storming off situation? Or should I hold it? Should I hold it until after Caroline Levitt? We'll do it at one thirty. As the immortal Mara Healy would say, hold it. Hold it. Okay, so I'm going to hold it and instead... I'm going, and it is good, by the way. It is good. I I mean, I can't be the only person who's been thinking about this. Although I don't know how many people watch Jeopardy these days. Uh, CNN pays Don Lemon. Did you see how much he made before I said? Do you want to take a guess? Take a guess, Jeremy. Is this as as a payout for getting rid of him? Yeah, this is like finishing up his contract because he didn't finish it up. So they had to give him all the uh, money he was owed. I know it's on the contract. Let's go $700,000. To Don Lemon? Yeah. Oh, pish posh. We're talking $24.5 million (laughs) to settle the anger. This is where I get so jealous. Wait, they had just signed him to a new, yeah, okay. This is where I get so jealous. And you know who else I throw into this category? I got that bubbly. I got that bubbly. (laughs) You got that bubbly. Um, I'll throw Megyn Kelly into this too. It's like when somebody gets fired or ousted or like however you want to describe it. I know there's different based off who's dealing with it at HR. You have to use different terminology. But then you get bought out, like they have to pay the rest of your salary. It's like, where's the punishment? Wait a second, I, I get to leave CNN and not finish out my, however long the contract, I think it was a 3.5 year extension. I get to leave early, go on vacation, and you're going to pay me $24.5 million? Huh? And, and he's the one who's in trouble? It says sources exclusively tell the rap that Lemon57 has agreed... Uh, to a separation deal with CNN for approximately $24.5 million. I think that's a lot more than Chris Cuomo got, if Chris Cuomo even got anything. And Chris Cuomo's still working, so he definitely is still trying to make bank. Wow, $24.5 million for Don Levin. Pretty good. We'll be right back. 